Do you know, he's furious. You must be too, because you'd cite yourself up to give evidence. Well, we've been role-playing preparation. Interesting. When do you think they would reschedule? I don't know. I mean, it could be a long wait. Oh, I don't know what we're going to do with our nights. There's only so many games of sexy treasure hunt you can play. Did I just say that out loud? <laughs> what the hell is sexy treasure hunt? Welcome to episode 113 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Coronation Street catch-up podcast that is now hosted by your robot overlords because how the fuck else did you see 2020 working out? I am Timbot4000. And I am terrified. And I'm Gavin. <laughs> Good morning. How are you this week? Eh, all right. We're just going to skip over that intro. <laughs> well, that's how the overlords want it. Right. Just I pretend one, it's not happening. I for one welcome. Our, our, our robot our overlord. overlords couldn't be any worse than what we got already. Right. That's for a different podcast. A merry birthday. Oh, yes, I've, I've, birthday. I've podcast that we don't currently do. <clears throat> <laughs> a merry birthday to you, my darling. Oh, yeah. I turned another year older this week. The big 5 Fuck you. <laughs> 44. I am still younger than you are. Thank you very much. Well, you'll, think you'll, you'll remain You're, younger than I am until... Probably I die, and then you overtake me. But that's a cheery, <laughs> that's a cheery little thought I, I, for a Saturday I, morning. I still think I'm going to go first. I still do. Nah, no chance. <laughs> <laughs> These are the sorts of cheery conversations that couples all over the world have been having with one another. Which one of us will die first? How <laughs> <laughs> was your birthday? It was a strange one. Eh, it was all right. We didn't go. We didn't. Well, we didn't leave the state last year either, but we at least went to the Upper Peninsula last year. Mm-hmm. This year, we just we went down to Ackroyd's and then went to Belle Isle, which is the state park that's right by Detroit, and, and then we came home. The rather misleadingly named Belle Isle. Well, it is, it is a Belle Isle. All the, the litter and the garbage and the discarded face masks. Be nice. Kind of didn't really make it for me it wasn't it wasn't that bad all over the island but most of the bit that we walked there was a considerable amount the fountain of, was gorgeous that was nice yeah. yeah you know i think things are still underfunded and uh the state parks are all free right now so they're not making any any money to pay people to clean the parks no but i don't think it should be incumbent on just the people that work for the parks to clean the parks, people that visit it have a certain responsibility. Don't you think to don't leave your shit on the ground in a state park? Mm. That's not too much to ask for, I don't think. Mm. Just tidy up after yourself. Yeah. People go have picnics, they just leave their shit. Leave their masks and puddles and it's just it's just it makes it not nice for anybody else that's visiting. Mm. And there was quite a lot of that, I thought. Yeah. It was it was nice, you know. The Belle Isle is is strange anyway because there's a certain amount of um, graceful decay 
as well as evidence of, of rebirth because the it just became a state park a few years ago uh, during the during the financial crisis in Detroit, it used to belong to the city of Detroit, but then the state took it over because Detroit couldn't afford to keep it up anymore. So like the zoo is closed and all those buildings are kind of behind a high fence and kind of falling apart. And we saw people rebuilding some of the gardens by the, uh, by the peace tower. And that was, you know, that was nice to see. So the casino wasn't open, but of course it wasn't because COVID. The bathrooms in the casino were open, though. Well, and it was kind of depressing to look over and see Canada. See all those happy little Canadians driving around in their happy free country. Fucking showing off. That's what they were doing. Where, where, their, president, Canadians. where their president isn't threatening to, to ban TikTok. What's he doing that for? Because people are mean to him on TikTok. <laughs> All these millennials and no, no, Zoomers. No, 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 no. Yeah, I know, that's for another that's podcast. For another podcast, one that we don't do. <laughs> But still, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's, it just kind of brings it home when Facebook insists on showing you what you were doing this time over previous years when mm-hmm. we were driving out to Montana, or we were in the Cayman Islands. Or we were in Canada. Or we were in Canada. <sighs> and then we were just... It was nice to get out of town. It was nice to sit in a car with you for the first time really properly since, since March. March. <laughs> yeah. It was the first time we've been in a car together. The first time I've had Google Maps open for, in four months. First time I've been in a car really with anyone, because you at least, you know, were in a car with the kids... Driving halfway to Connecticut. Right. I haven't had that at all. Mm-hmm. I've been driving around with, you know, those haunted ghost doll eyes I have in the car and various auction stuff. And that's about it. Mm-hmm. Like that that huge load of dolls I brought home last week. Uh-huh. <laughs> they're still there that you said wouldn't be there, but they're still there. I've I've listed quite a few. They'll they'll in there. They're not where you can see them. They're in the living room. Well, some of them are in the living room. Some of them are in the dining room. And some of them are in the basement. So so how's that? Places where I can't see them? Well, because they're in a bin in the living room. So they're not sitting on the couch anymore staring at the television. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know why you bought that many broken dolls. Well, they weren't broken. A lot of them are headless. Oh, no, yeah, those are headless Barbies. And I bought those because there was a a Barbie head amongst that lot of the dolls that I bought. And one of my friends on Facebook tagged me, you know, saying, LOL, look at all these headless Barbie dolls. Don't you want to get them? And I said, yes, actually, because I have this Barbie head. And I think one one of those bodies will match the head. And unfortunately, it won't. But I am going to. But I bought them anyway because I know I can sell them fairly quickly. Because I have a couple of people that buy from me who are doll doctors <sighs> who will buy them for parts. So those will go. Those will go away soon too. And those are absolutely in the dining room on the buffet. You cannot see the headless naked Barbies. But you're probably going to head off after this podcast and just buy more. No. 
No, I have I have some auction stuff to pick up, but it's all stuff for the house. So I'm not buying any any more stuff to sell at at the moment. I'm kind of concerned that we're going to go into another uh, second lockdown and all the auction houses will close again. So I've kind of been panic buying, but I've slowed down a wee bit. Anyway, what's new with you? Uh, what, what what rabbit hole have you jumped down this week? Oh, GeoGuessr. Didn't didn't you jump down GeoGuessr before? No, yeah, but this is a different kind of GeoGuessr because Ooh. I've made my own map this <gasps> time. A Falkirk. A Falkirk and Rundabout. You can find it on GeoGuessr by searching for Falkirk and Rundabout. And it's basically just my stomping ground when I was a wee boy. Oh, Around about Falkirk and Cairn Shore and the Earth and Stennis Muir and all those sort of places. All you have to do, by the way, the, the effort required in making your own map is really minimal. You draw a polygon around about the area that you're interested in and it, it does the rest. Ah. But I've been enjoying playing that because it'll pop up and I'll say, oh, that's, uh, that's Edward Avenue in Stennis Muir. Or, oh, that's uh, Webster Avenue in Cairn Shore. Or, oh. That's uh, Friendship Gardens in Carnshaw. Maybe you should post a link on our on our Twitter. Which would be amazing for anyone who's listening from the Falkirk or surrounding area. <laughs> which I don't think there's anybody. Oh, stop. Or also just people who who love that area, like I do. I don't have a perfect score on it. That's which hilarious. Which is kind of embarrassing. But you have to be really, really exact if you're like... 20 yards out, you're going to lose points. So you have to be really precise about where you're Ooh. plunking down your marker. Ooh. Because the map itself is quite small. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, it's been it's been good fun. I was playing that and seeing all these old places and all these memories coming back of places that I'd forgotten that I'd been. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I was, I was uh, fair enjoying that yesterday. Lovely stuff. Lovely stuff. Shall we preamble, my dear? Yeah, I I think we'd better before (laughs) you start talking about dolls again. (laughs) Give me some of that synthetic Corey news. ITV has announced that Corey will go back to a six episode a week format in September. Good for the show, bad for me. Oh, dear. I've forgotten how to write notes for six episodes a week. (laughs) Because I've been writing kind of longer notes mm-hmm. for three episodes to kind of fill in right. a bit of the time. So now you just going to have to write shorter you're notes. have to be concise again. Yeah. Or semi concise. And I'm going to have to watch the show three times a week instead of Friday night. <sighs> it's all right. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. The, the second lockdown will take care of this all. <laughs> Way to be optimistic, my darling. Adios, Liz. It was reported months ago that Beverly Collard was retiring from the cobbles, but it has now been reported that she has filmed her final scenes. Oh, she has? Yes. Well, I'm sad to see her go. I'm relieved to have one less actor of a certain age to worry about on the show. Yeah, that's a wee, that's a wee shame. Mm-hmm. She's been big on the classic Corey. Uh, yeah, absolutely. This week, or last week when... Uh, it was really interesting to see the the attitudes towards uh, domestic violence that were uh, portrayed some years ago when uh, Jim punches uh, Liz, gives her a black eye, and Steve and Andy are strangely forgiving of their father. 
Well, we kind of get an idea about changing moors and stuff in real quarry, in modern quarry this week as well, which we will talk about in a little bit. I guess we will. Yes. Finally, last week I revealed that American soaps have utilized mannequins in makeout scenes. This week it appears British mannequins are also getting soap work. Well, it's nice to see this undervalued community getting screen time. It's a shame a few are losing their heads over it. And that's Corey News. That's, that is Corey News. That was Corey News? That mm-hmm. last one was Corey News. Mm-hmm. Really? I thought I was being quite clever with that, with the whole losing their heads over it bit. Because people are losing their heads over it on the Twitter but also the Sarah Mannequin lost her head during the filming of that scene. Yeah, not that, not that you saw that in the in the show. That actually did it quite well, I thought. Which yeah. we'll, we'll probably get to. Yes, of course. I think, of I, course think I've, I think I've written down something about that. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was really funny, you know, seeing the pictures of the of the mannequin and everything, considering that, you know, I talked about this last week, about American soap operas using them for makeup scenes and stuff. So... It's funny. American soap operas use mannequins for makeout scenes. British soap operas use mannequins to run women over. Oh, I should have got run over. <clears throat> okay. No, Gary got run over. But still, you know what I mean. I'm sure they will start I'm sure they'll use them for makeout scenes eventually as well. There's gotta be some smooching on the show. Yes? Eventually? I don't know. I think it was kinda of obvious. I'm, I'm trying not to look for it mm-hmm. because it kind of takes away some of the enjoyment. <clears throat> yeah, I wasn't specifically looking for it either. I, I figured that they probably had to. And to be honest, sometimes while I'm watching the show, I'm not really watching the show. I'm I'm more listening to it mm-hmm. at, at times. Right. And I think I had looked up at something else when when that whole scene happened. And it happens very quickly, so you can't really tell. No, unless no. you slow it down. No, the the um, the Audrey one was uh, far more obvious. <laughs> when she went and they like didn't a... even have COVID for an excuse. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> ah. No, you just occasionally you'll see a scene where people who should be closer together aren't, mm-hmm. and it just kind of stands out a little bit. Anyway, anyway, if that's a core news, we've had it. Onto our mailbag, and you correspondent Joe, he sent us some artwork. Ooh, yes. Uh, and I'd had a couple of beers when that email had come in, so I completely misread the the email. Right. Because I thought it was him and his sister had made this little collage uh-huh. thing of uh, Gary wearing a "I killed Rick the Chin" T-shirt, right? Which was was <laughs> hilarious. So I credited him and his sister mm-hmm. for creating this, but it was it was just him. Anyway. Uh, so yeah, so he wrote and gave us the, the collage and said, will you start calling Tim's mum, Tim's fucking mum? Don't you find that the multiple Tim's fucking dad dream sequence was hilarious? And I was like, well, it was something. It was something. But yeah, 
Tim's mum. Yeah. Superb. Yes. Then Chloe from Nova Scotia, who we haven't heard from in a while, she wrote in to say, hope you guys are doing well as we enter week 1,876 of lockdown. As you know, I've been quite triggered by the Tim's fucking dad stuff recently. It was to the point where I couldn't watch for a while, but I've caught up now. I'm so thrilled by the turn that this has taken in the last week or two. I can see a way out for Yasmin, and that is half the battle. Absolutely. I found it. I have found it much easier to watch now, too. You know, now that you see, yeah, it's kind of turned a corner, hasn't and, it? And the fact that they are no longer in the same space together, mm-hmm. you know, because they can't be right. And now, this. Welcome, welcome, welcome. As Gav drinks an iron brew, which is one of the things we got at Ackroyd's. Yep. One of the last three, or is it two? Is that no? There's two left after that one. Yeah. Of the last iron brews that we'll ever get from Ackroyd's, because they've got to stop carrying it because it contains aspartame. Right. Yeah, the new formula the does. New, new recipe. So this is the old recipe, iron brew. That I don't think you'd even get in, in Scotland no. anymore. No, you can't. Or you have to pay a premium for it. Right. Oh, Sad good. days. That's good. Sad days. Yeah, they, they changed the formula and put aspartame in it because they don't want you to get fat anymore. They just want to give you cancer. Right. <laughs> uh, <sighs> R.I.P. Last year to me. Iron Brew. Last year tonight. Last me, year tonight with you. John Oliver. Just enough time to quickly talk about Oprah Flamin' Winfrey. <laughs> this was Kev complaining about advice uh, from Tim regarding Abby. Who do you think you are? Oprah, Oprah frickin' Flamin' Win- Winfrey. Bleb. That's not ridiculously difficult to say. It absolutely is. <clears throat> I was Gavin and you were shirtless. I remember that well. <laughs> I, was, I am not shirtless today. No, you're wearing a... I'm wearing my extra, like, guac t-shirt. I don't know what that is, but it looks kind of tie-dye and it is tie-dye. Very, very 80s. We just got back from the uh, Upper Peninsula and Mackinac Island, which you absolutely loved, and I was also there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mackinac Island, filled with things you love. Boats and horses. Right. Yeah. And lots of horse shit. Yeah. Kev is disinterested in renewing his Weather County season ticket. <gasps> Kate wants to keep her room at the Rovers and not pay rent while she has a perfectly good room over the road. Robert's lying goes to such extents that we have inception level lies within lies and we're all going to need a wee dreadle spinner to remember just what the truth is anymore. Abby gets her job back at Kev's garage and then immediately loses it again. Claudia decides that Ken doesn't need four brown jumpers. Bernie steals a tree and shows Chesney her floof. Ooh. And her moment of the week was Abby getting her job back with Kev and her fantastic new hair. And her boring moment of the week was Kev complaining about his wedding county season ticket and then everything else. And that was Coronation Street and the talk of the street this time last year. Good stuff. Uh, shall we dive in, my dear? Yes, please. On minute 20 ish. <clears throat> Tim's fucking dad. What a tit. On Monday, 
Alia arrives at the hospital ward. Yasmin, she asks, seemingly mistaking the receptionist for a grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, those masks can make things confusing. Are you Yasmin? No, no, she's over there. Thankfully, the receptionist is able to give precise directions to her grand's room with a uh, nonchalant wave of the hand. Mm-hmm. Yasmin is awake. Alia says that she took a funny turn, but she's going to be okay. She explains that they think that she's had a heart attack and that the trial has been postponed, which might actually help as they can track down the lane. Alia tells her not to worry about anything and focus on getting better. Is there a guard outside, asks Yasmin. Alia confirms that there is. There goes my escape plan, says Yasmin. Which was nice. It I was, thought it was lovely. Yes, because that's, that's the old Yasmin back. A wonderful sense of humour. Yes. <laughs> So Elaine comes into the cabin and overhears Mary and Cathy talking about Yasmin being a poor thing and uh, having her day in court and all that sort of stuff. When Mary leaves, <laughs> Mary kind of walked like a crab getting out of the cabin. Right, yeah, because she was trying to maintain uh, the two metre. Right. When Mary leaves, uh, Elaine gently quizzes Cathy on the matter. Cathy tells Elaine that Yasmin has had a heart attack and so the trial has been delayed. Elaine wonders if people took her side immediately. Was she believed? Because she's been in a similar situation. Cathy confirms that it took some time for people to start believing Yasmin. Yeah, Cathy. Yeah, like you, Cathy. They all let her down. Yeah, Cathy. Yeah, you did. The only person supporting him will be his son, Tim. He won't believe a word against his dad. Mm-hmm. So then Ryan and Alia are walking down the street and they walk by Elaine who's going in the opposite direction and apologises for the bucket thing earlier. They discuss Yasmin and... Uh, or perhaps that she might need a, a bypass. Aya says that now they have a delay, they can try to find this woman that visited Yasmin in prison. Elaine Jones, apparently. Mm-hmm. Oh, and who was that that we just walked by? Ryan explains that she kicked Ryan's bucket, but not like that. <laughs> when, she saw, <laughs> when she saw Tim's dad and Tim earlier, and they quickly come to the conclusion that the woman that they walked by is indeed Elaine. Uh-huh. So they give chase, and she's about to go in at the tram station. Are you Excellent Elaine? Excellent detective work. Did you go out with Tim's dad? It was all very convenient, mm-hmm. a little bit, wasn't it? Yeah. A bit rushed and a bit... But that's fine. I didn't mind it. I didn't mind it at all. But, yeah, you could tell it was a little reworked. It was the smartest Ryan has been in the show. Ever. Ever. So, after fashion, she admits it. She thought that she could help, and Ryan says that she can. She can go to court and face Tim's dad. Elaine thought she could make up for the past, but now that she's seen him, she's not so sure, and Alia begs her for help. So the three of them are sitting in the community garden now. There are no animals visible, so there's no metaphor happening here. No, no metaphor. This is literal. Ryan gives them some space as Alia asks for five minutes. She knows what Tim's dad is like. Elaine reveals that they were married for two years, which confuses Alia. She thought Tim's dad's first wife was Philippa. Elaine uh, reveals that she was Philippa and changed her name after she got out. How did she do that? Elaine says, uh, by ruining her life. Not that it wasn't already ruined. She was so scared that she had to walk away from the situation. And Alia, she says that she understands. Elaine says that she can't possibly understand what it's like seeing him, seeing all grown up. It's bad enough seeing Tim's dad, but seeing him. And Alia's confused. Elaine explains that she got away from Tim's dad by giving up Tim and leaving him with that monster. Elaine says Tim cannot know. She's not his mum anymore. And she runs away. She can't do this. And she's sorry. So have confirmation that she is... Indeed. Tim's mum. Who we've been waiting for... Forever. For about a year, maybe? Yeah. When we first started talking about Tim's mum and mm-hmm. we assumed and that she'd, she'd killed herself somehow just because she was married to Tim's dad. <laughs> but no, here she is. Here she is. In the flesh. 
On Wednesday, Alia and Ryan are chatting about Yasmin. Alia's been very glass half empty about her grand's chances if she needs surgery because she's going to have some limited things to look forward to. Mm-hmm. So why would she think about getting better kind of thing? And then she gets a call from Elaine. Elaine couldn't sleep worrying about Yasmin. She'll do whatever it takes to bring down Tim's dad. Alia thinks it's time that Tim learned the truth. So later, mm. at the cab office, Tim is on the radio with Peter talking about death cleaning when Elaine walks in. He had a name for it. I didn't write it down. Uh, it's some Norwegian name because it's like a, a Viking yeah, thing. Yeah, it definitely sounded foreign. Tim thinks that she's looking for a taxi and then thinks that she's looking for the controller job because uh, Eileen is stuck in Thailand. So I guess we're not getting Eileen for a while. Right. That's, <laughs> that's as it should be. Elaine introduces herself, uh, saying that she's played this moment. Did we know that Eileen was in Thailand? No. No. When did she go to Thailand? We, we don't know. And why? <sighs> to visit someone, maybe? Is her son in Thailand? I don't know. It seemed quite it's, random. It's, yeah, it seemed like a weird place for Elaine to just up and go for vacation. Eileen. Yes. Elaine's not on vacation she's in the cab office. I know isn't this confusing though Elaine and Eileen it's going to be now <laughs> so Elaine introduces herself saying that she's played this moment over in her mind a million times she explains that she's going to give evidence at the trial and she introduces herself again but only this time she adds that she used to be a Metcalf she used to be married to Tim's dad Tim's confused. Tim's dad's first wife was Pippa and she's dead. Elaine explains about the name change after she ran away from Tim's dad and their boy. Tim says that he doesn't have a brother. It's like, for fuck's sake, oh, Tim. Oh, come on, Tim. Seriously. Showing remarkable restraint at her thick son, she gently explains that she is, in fact, Tim's mum. Yes. Not a tit. And he takes this exceptionally well. <laughs> oh, no, wait a minute. No, because he thought that Tessa was his mum. And Tessa was the woman who used to be Elaine's friend, who she caught in bed with Tim's dad. So Tessa kind of took over when Philippa left, or Philippa slash Elaine. This is going to be really confusing, all the name changes. I know. So Tim thought that Tessa was his mum, but Tessa wasn't his mum. No, he knew, he thought his mum was dead, but... No, Tessa's dead. Tessa is definitely dead. He thought Tessa was his mum. He thought his dad's first wife no. was out of the picture. No. No, because he says, Tessa was my mother. Was as good as my mother. She was the one that brought me up. That was what he was saying. So confusing, because Tessa is actually dead, isn't she? I don't know. I think Tessa is dead, but Philippa is not. He's, Flash Elaine. He thought his mum was Pippa, who is dead, no. as far as he's Philippa. concerned. Not Pippa. Philippa. It's, it's, it's a shortened version of Philippa's Pippa. Is it? Mm-hmm. So that's who he knew was his mum, who he thought was dead. And then it was Tim's dad's relationship with Tess that must have, happened, must have started when he was really young. So it was Tess that brought him up. Right. So she was, so she was as good as his So mom. was his mother's best friend who right. she caught in bed with. So he knew that. How is Jeff able to connive any woman to sleep with him? Tim's dad. Right, that's better. How is Tim's dad able to convince any woman? Never mind. At least three. Yeah. 
four if you count that one in the that you had an argument with. Presumably, you had a relationship with her. Right, and then of course there's the prostitutes, which doesn't really count. Sex workers. My apologies. Okay, anyway. so he tells her to get out, but she refuses. She says that she was a good mom. Tim says good moms don't abandon their kids. Tim's mom says, yeah, well, good husbands don't torture their wives. Tim says Tess was his mum, and Tim's mum thought that she was her best friend until she caught him in bed with Tim's dad. He tells her to leave this time. She insists she sent him birthday presents, but they were always got sent back. Tim's dad and Tess ignored all attempts at contact. She has one photo of him, and he's had enough by this point, and he throws her out. And, of course, Alia and Ryan are outside to witness this. Tim accuses Alia of putting Tim's mum up to this with her lies and her being a man about the house and all that stuff. Tim's dad <laughs> isn't the one on trial, says Tim. Alia thinks uh, it's taken a lot out. It's, Alia thinks it's taken a lot of guts for Tim's mum to do this. And Tim is rude about people believing Tim's mum and then goes back into the cab office. But her, his reaction is enough for Tim's mum to have second thoughts about testifying yet again and head off back to the tram station. Ryan thinks that that's the last that we'll see of Tim's mum. But Alia is suddenly glass half full. She'll be back. She says. Yeah, because she's already she's already done this. You know, there's really no turning back now. That's the confrontation with Tim's dad. That's the only thing that's left. Right. In the cabin, Kathy's telling Sally about how she and Brian have been role playing their testimony. <laughs> Sally is all, oh yeah. But the trial might be postponed for who knows how long. <laughs> Kathy is disappointed. There's only so much sexy treasure hunt they can play. It has something to do with Brian's new metal detector and a secretly hidden 20 pence piece. <laughs> but not the 20p that she just gave Sally back in change. Right. <laughs> Sally looks at it like, what? She's <laughs> oddly warm. Sexy treasure hunt. So so are, are we to suppose that Kathy and Brian are the new... Um, Kurt and Beth, as far as <laughs> couples whose whose sex lives we get to know really well, while never seeing it. <laughs> I think one can can assume so. Yes, love it. Sniper's dreaming, Kathy. <laughs> uh, Tim drops in on speed dial, where Tim's dad is the only one working. Quick question, says Tim. Why is Tim's mum suddenly turned up at the cab office? And Tim's dad is oddly quiet. Tim's dad asks what her name was. Elaine says Tim. Almost an anagram of evil, says Tim's dad. What? Not even close. Timbot4000 says this does not compute. I am Timbot5000 and my superior design and component quality allow me to compute this to a satisfactory standard. Thank you very much. Oh? You've had way too much time on your hands this week, haven't you? I found a, a website that's much easier to use than the, the app that I was using uh, previously. Mm. Does that mean that we're going to get a new uh, vocab of the episode? Don't count your chickens. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> yeah, so Elaine is our anagram of evil. Mm. Well, there is an E in it. And now. And an I. There's sadly no V in the lane. No. So that's why I said almost, almost. an anagram. And that's why Tim bought 5,000 is given it a pass, I think. Mm. Not that I'm trying to... There's, there's no N in evil, though. No. No. And there's not two E's. And no A. Right. And that's... I think that's why Tim bought 4,000 had a problem with it. Yeah. So he insists that his mum's name was Tess and she's been dead for quite some time. All right, yeah. so there we go. See, yeah. 
Tess, it seems, was a psycho just like the rest of them, and Tim's dad thinks this has been something that Ali and Yasmin have put her up to. They've paid her off. Tim's dad says he was the one who was there for him. Tim, that is. Not Tess. He tried his best. Yeah, see? So Tim must now be thinking, isn't it strange that my dad keeps on getting into relationships with women who bully and torment him? Or is he just not... You are giving Tim way too much credit here. Let's remember, he's thick. Because Yasmin's accusing him of it. Elaine's accusing him of it. That woman that almost got him put in jail. Right. Which Tim knows about. (laughs) At home, Tim has explained to Sally about Elaine being his mum, but she doesn't believe uh, that Alia has anything to do with it. What would Alia gain from that? Maybe it is his mum. What if Tim's dad lied? Tim thinks that Sally's mad. Hmm. So Elaine meets up with Alia on a close speed dial in the chat about how Tim has been weaned on Tim's dad's lies. She's been absent from Tim's life for nearly 50 years. Yeah. Oof. Can you imagine? But she still had a hope that everything would be okay. Alia says Tim is one of the good guys. He's one of the thick guys. Hmm. It's a matter of time before she, he comes round. Tim's mum is now worried that Tim's dad will track her down and Alia begs her not to leave. So she leaves. Right, well, she leaves Speedball. Later, Tim's dad peeks round the corner and sees Tim's mum. He goes back round the corner again. He does shut a brick. He's so shaken by this. He's very put out. Reacts very badly. When he turns back, it seems Tim's mum has gone, but then it looks like he's seen her after all. So he goes into the rover where Jenny is playing with herself. I mean... (laughs) uh, But not like that. She's playing herself at darts. Right, because, you know, people can't hang out in the rovers anymore in comes Tim's dad he orders a bottle of wine to take away then he creepily compares Jenny to Tim's dad's mum yeah he's so creepy and asks if the B&B is still going Jenny says it's closed and Scott has left so that's interesting (laughs) then he pays for his wine and leaves and when he leaves Jenny's like oh you creepy bastard you creepy because you are so creepy and gross and that's as far as we get with that this week oh Creepy and gross. It's very interesting that Scott has left. Does that mean that we're just not going to do that story anymore? Because Johnny is now stuck in France. Right. So she would have had to shut down the B&B so he would have to have left. Right. But, but yeah, there's that whole... We've been building up to something here. There's been that... Right. Story with uh, Scotch Vicky and Carla mm-hmm. that felt resolved, but then Scott was having his running away Peter and mm-hmm. kind of questioning mm-hmm. Peter's loyalty to Carla and all and, that stuff. And hinting that he was the one who what did them in. Mm-hmm. And then now has just left. Yay. Well, as I said, Johnny can't come back anyway. No. He's stuck in France. So are we to assume that Scott will come back and I don't take know. up the Bean Bee at some I point in the future? Know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Good to see Tim's mum in that again. Yes. Good to see her tell Tim that she's that, his mum. Right. And good to it's good for of the show to confirm to us what we already suppose that she was Tim's mum. Unless she is lying. She's not lying. Why would she lie about that? That would be dumb. That wouldn't make any sense. No, it would not. Hmm. She kind of 
I believe her as Tim's mom. Although Tim's mom and Tim's dad are both fairly short people. So how did they get Tim? Tim kind of towers over both of them. Oh, I towered over both my mom and my dad. My dad was quite a short ass. <laughs> my mom. Your mom was toady. My mom was five foot and half an inch. She I insisted. I towered over your mother. But when she passed, I think she was just 4'11 or 4'10 or something. No. She one, was very toty. One does shrink with age. Mm-hmm. My dad, I think, was maybe your height. 5'4? Mm-hmm. Round mm-hmm. about that. 5'4, 5'5-ish. See, I have one tall parent and one short parent, so. My mom's I've never tall. thought about that before, but yeah, your mum's My mum's much, much taller, taller than, than my dad. My mum's whole family, my uncles, are, well, are and were... Over six foot. Uncle Henry's huge, tall. Mm-hmm. Aunt Pat's tall. My grandpa was tall. My it, grandma Bors was short. She was the only short one. It shouldn't. It shouldn't be a thing, I guess. But you don't really see enough of what a short, short, short man with tall women. Mm-hmm. Unless you're Tom Cruise, of course, and your dad ain't no Tom Cruise. He's a Tom. He thinks he is, but. Uh, <sighs> I guess we've all got issues. <laughs> so, our next, our next storyline is, Oh, Solo Mary. This is very brief. Just very this brief. Couple of scenes. Two scenes. On Monday, Mary's in the cabin, nattering with Cathy. Routine is so important in times like these, she says. She drew up a timetable for Sean of improving activities. <laughs> <laughs> uh, an online Italian class, followed by some balcony singing. Sean, though, has reacted to this with a desire to murder Mary in her sleep. Then they'd laugh. Or at least Mary would laugh. And then lock the door to her bedroom. Later, Mary is hanging out of her window, singing in Italian. Grats aroma, she belts out, while from inside, Sean yells at her to shut the fuck up. He's trying to watch Tipping Point. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> that's as far as we get. Yeah, because see, they don't have... They don't have that balance between them because she's in Thailand. Right. Eileen. Yes. A nice little nod, though, to the, in inverted commas, everything that's going on. Yes. How people were singing from their balconies and... Right. To each other and... and but it was and mostly just the Italians who were singing from balconies, though. Were the British singing from balconies? <laughs> Don't think so. No. She doesn't really have a balcony. She has a window. No, she just opened <laughs> up her window and... <laughs> I was like, what the fuck... Still, it was nice. It was nice of Mary to continue to be Mary, even in these troubling times. It was a nice touch, and uh, it was one of the highlights from Monday. I mm-hmm. thought, which oddly enough, when I tweeted that out, that got retweeted by the show, mm-hmm. and that kind of does your old manner of good things for yeah. your impressions and your likes. Yeah, I think we're up to about two hundred likes on that, it's, which it's, is it's, insane. It's helpful sometimes to be nice to the show. Right, <laughs> who'd have thought? I think for, on the whole, we're nice to the show. We're critical only when, when, when necessary. And and we're nice about our criticisms. I think I don't think we're ever like, oh, this show is fucking awful. We fucking hate it. No, we hate watch it. No, this is not how I met your mother. This oh, is God, a good no. show. Yeah, for the most part, I think yeah. there's good parts and there's not so good parts. But I, I, I think we're honest. Yes. I don't think I've deliberately said that I dislike something just to be controversial. No. 
Or, Neither have I. Or said that I've liked something just to suck up its ass. No. Ew. No, we no, we tend we we we've always said that we want to do our pissing outside the tent, pissing in, not inside the tent, pissing out. Right. Yeah. And we continue to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Still, it's nice when the show retweets you. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've got a like from uh from Pat Claire on that. Yes. Uh, yes, we did. Again, which is doesn't do you any harm. No. She's quite active on the Twitter. She is. Our next storyline today is clapping for Aggie. On Monday, wouldn't you know it, Aggie's car has broken down and she's had to take the bus to work. Ed is still worried about her and the hours that she's working in the Abbey, who's on the scene to help, offers them Kev's car. It's the least that they can do. Everyone on the street is so proud of Aggie and Abby nods to the Love NHS sign in their window. And I have to admit, I had a wee tear in my eye at that bit. Yeah, that was lovely. It was lovely. So Abby's <coughs> off to get the keys. Later, Ed is randomly battering keys in his laptop. He's trying to arrange a special party for Aggie for the whole family. It's their anniversary tomorrow and he needs Michael's help to set up the Zoom call. And reluctantly, Michael agrees. A very difficult Zoom call to set up because there are multiple time zones involved in the Zoom call because they're Zooming with people in America because apparently their daughter is in America. Didi. Mm-hmm. Didi is in America, which I think is a new development, isn't it? Or was she always in America? No, I think we knew that she was in America. And then, you know, family in Jamaica mm-hmm. and then other British people in in the UK. Is it that difficult to set up a Zoom call? I don't think it's difficult necessarily. I think it's difficult to find a time that works for everybody. Well, I think the time isn't going to work for everybody. Somebody's going to have to be... Up in the middle of the night. Put out a little bit. Yeah. But that's, that can't be helped. Mm. We had a call once. Uh, the The HR units from all the different companies that are scattered across the globe so there mm. was like the UK, there was uh, us in Michigan there's Hong Kong India yeah, some Indians and I had to be at my desk on the call at like 7 o'clock in the morning Oofed. that was not fun mm. at all and we were mm. presenting as well so yikes Yeah. you presented from this room? no this is back in the old days oh Oh, um, back before the yeah, world fell a, apart. A number of years ago. Well, remember, remember when we used when you were still in Scotland and I was here in America, and we used to coordinate times to to speak to one another on the telephone or via Skype. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, yep, I was either staying up really late, or you were getting up really early, sorts of things, and then you know when the time change would happen. Because it would happen for you before it would happen for me. Yeah, there's a, I think there's a couple of weeks at the start and the end of the summer where the time difference is four hours instead of five, which right. I didn't really appreciate was a thing. No. But it is. It is. So on Wednesday, we basically run through the same stuff from Friday as Ed gets up and Aggie's already Monday. left for work. No, Friday. Oh. It's our anniversary and everything, and Ed has made a special breakfast, so quite how he didn't know that Aggie had already left is beyond me. Yeah. Michael airs his concerns at a big party after she's finished her shift. It's probably not going to go down that well with his mum. No. That's a good point. That's a very good point. 
At the Rovers, Michael's getting stocked up in the booze, which I understand is for the benefit of Uncle Raymond, a real big deal McNeil, according to Michael. He's about to reminisce about something that Raymond did at his parents' wedding when Ed interrupts to order some champagne. When Ed buggers off, we get to hear the end of the story. It seems that Raymond accused Ed of being tight at the wedding and scrimping on stuff. These bottles are to get back at him by putting them on, on show in front of the camera uh, so he gets to see them or something. Right, like, oh, we pulled out the good stuff for you to see but not to drink. Ha 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 ha. This is Aggie's brother. Is it? Yeah, I think so. So the preparations are coming along swimmingly, by which I mean Ed has a three balloon and a zero balloon. He gets a call from Aggie and strangely predicts that this is going to be good news. It's mm, not. No. That's bad news. Oh, and Jenny is there dropping off buffet food. Which Aggie seems very suspicious about. Uh, so she can't make it. One of her colleagues has tested positive, so she's going to have to self-isolate for two weeks. And she's getting put up in a hotel by the hospital. Mm-hmm. Ed explains about all the family joining a Zoom virtual party. It was their way of saying thank you. I don't understand why she couldn't just join in on the Zoom call. Yeah. Weird. Oh, she should be able to. Right. But she's tired and she now has to self-isolate. And she's her nerves are probably to the breaking point. And like Michael observed earlier, she's probably not in the mood for a party. Probably not. So on Friday, Ed is reminiscing about seeing Aggie on their wedding day and how Aggie's dad thought Ed was a piece of shit. Ed thinks that he's useless, separated from his wife on their 30th anniversary. It was Pearl. And Michael suddenly has an idea about how they can be together. So Ed is chatting with Aggie on FaceTime and he can see the earrings that he's bought her. They have some reasonably poor patter about the relationship and Ed's relationship with her dad, who hated his guts. He checks that she's okay, but she's tired. She's seen some terrible things that she can't get out of that she can't get out of her head. Ed forgets to mention that he's been sleeping in the same bed as her for weeks and just couldn't be bothered to wake up before she left. And <laughs> they toast their marriage. That was quite nice. Yeah, I, I, I liked this. I liked that, you know, it's a bit of a nod to what people in healthcare have been have been going through. And thank God, thank God they got Aggie back as a nurse before all of this happened. Thank God she's not still working at Roy's. When all of this happened. So they have somebody who's in the medical profession who would be dealing with all of this. Because if they didn't have Aggie, it would have to be Moira. Or Dr. Gadas. But who, yeah. she's she wouldn't be seeing people in A&E. No. And in the hospital. So. Yeah, it's kind of worked out quite well. Yeah. It's almost as if it's a strange way of expressing that. It's almost as if Coronation Street predicted the coronavirus. Hmm. Corey, coronavirus. They're almost anagrams. (laughs) Timbot four thousand says this does not. (sighs) That was a joke, Timbot four thousand. Fucking hell. I am Timbot 5000 and my superior design and component quality allow me to compute Mm -hmm. this to a satisfactory standard. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, see? see? So, fuck off, Timbot4000. You've been replaced. Ha ha. <laughs> it's like Skynet over here. <laughs> With a very limited vocabulary. <laughs> and female. Is this... We're now on to the last story, really? Are we? Bloody hell, we are, you know. This is it. Gary is the last story? Gary is the last story. Our ginger gangster. 
this was good on Monday as well. Honestly, Monday, Monday and Wednesday, Friday, Friday was. It was a good fine. week. It was a good week. But Let's Monday, just... Wednesday was just excellent. I really enjoyed Monday, Wednesday. Mm. It was all good to me. Well, <laughs> you actually watched it a bit earlier. No, it was about the same time I watch it every Friday. Seven o'clock, eight o'clock. Yeah, huh. right after our movie. So it wasn't seven or eight o'clock. It was. I thought you were watching it before the movie. Oh yeah, yeah, I did watch it before the movie as opposed to after the movie, which was Team America World Police last night. A classic, you're welcome. We both laughed. I laughed twice. You laughed more than twice. On Monday, about the ginger ginger gangster. Mm -hmm. On Monday, Bernie and Gemma are out the back as Bernie explains how... how she found the watch. How she found the watch under some rubbish in the woods. Bernie has also done some research and a, wa- a watch she thinks is worth about 400 quid. New. Gemma thinks inscription will bring the price down. See, that's good thinking. Gemma's obviously... Yeah. She's, she's got a good mind for this. She realises what's going to right. depreciate the value. Bernie thinks Gemma's pissing on the chips. This is her pot of gold. Gemma thinks that she should try and find the rightful owner. And there's a pause before they both break down laughing. Right. Almost <laughs> had was- you. Which almost, was great. Almost had you said Gemma. And she goes to put the kettle on. That was great. I love that because... <laughs> it was totally cut for both of them. All right. And it just... It's it's a reflection of their relationship mm-hmm. right there. But it's just the... Maybe motherhood's made Gemma a little bit more responsible. No. No. <laughs> Not a chance. No. So at number eight, Sarah and David are vying for who has the more pathetic life. Is it Sarah, whose husband is determined to prove her ex-boyfriend is a murderer, or is it David, whose wife barely recognises him and who has to be taught Uno again, and for whom the quarantine <laughs> has knocked her back quite a bit? Score draw, I'd say. <laughs> and again, we have this lovely... I, I, I love David and Sarah scenes because they just... It's, it's so true to life. The sibling experience. Yeah. If you didn't know that they were related to each other, you would think that they absolutely hated each other. Yeah. Which I think they do. No. But they obviously love each other as well. Right, yes. So it's that kind of sibling rivalry kind of thing. And yeah, I think that the two of them bounce off each other. I think that... The, I think, I think they the, enjoy the bouncing. Right. I get the sense that... I'm quite, not like that. Right. Oh. Corey draws a line in incest. Oh, no. That's, that's, that's awful. Yes. I agree. I I think a lot of their stuff is, it feels almost improvised. That mm-hmm. I think. <coughs> oh, absolutely. I think they bring, they, they, they bring the best out of each other when they're back and forth. Yeah, because the banter is, is very no reminiscent. Banter. Is is very reminiscent of what Jack P. Shepard does during the Sofa Cinema Club with uh, with Ben Price and, and Colson Smith. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very similar. You know the way, you know, they banter with one another and get it underneath one another's skin and, right. and kind of rib gently rib one another about mm-hmm. Colson's awful taste in movies. <laughs> Although he's the one who picked the Italian job, so sometimes it's not bad. That's not a good movie. It's a great movie. The original, not the remake. The original's good. Oh, I, I don't think I liked that. I've, I've only seen it once, but I don't think I liked it. I'm not a huge Michael Caine fan. You don't like Michael Caine? I 
I'm sorry, Michael. Just skip forward 30 seconds. You don't seconds. like Michael Caine? Are you trying to do a Michael Caine impression? No, I was saying Michael Caine. Oh, I, I just... <laughs> it sounds like Michael Caine. I just wondered why you, I thought you'd forgotten how to speak. No, I, I don't think he's a, I don't think he's a great actor. What? I don't. I don't really? Think, I just think he's got he's got one gear. I think he makes the best um, Alfred of all of the Alfreds in the Batman collection of Alfreds. I think he's my he's, favorite Alfred. He's not in it a lot. Yeah, but he's in it just enough. Mm. Mm. Anyway, before before I say something that's and also Cider House Rules is one of my favorite movies. I haven't seen that. Oh. Because it's got Michael Caine in it. So, so Bernie, who doesn't work at the we'll factory... We'll have to watch that. ...turns up at the factory. Hmm. And not only that, walks right into Sarah's office, would you believe? After asking for Paul, she tries to tell Sarah the watch that she found in the woods. Sarah is immediately suspicious that Bernie stole it. Bernie swears that she found it, and it's so nice. She shows it off and says it's worth 500 and offers it to Sarah uh, eventually for 80 because it has an inscription on it and it's a bit beaten up. Sarah's not interested and suggests Adam, who's in the market for a watch. <laughs> but hasn't she thought about finding the owner? Bernie would, but there must be millions of Richter out there. And with that, she leaves just as a very small penny drops for Sarah. Woods? Richter Chin? Watch? Watch? That mysterious t-shirt order from Cafe Press? <laughs> it's all falling into place. <laughs> Bernie's in the cabin talking about imperial and metric measures with Brian. Bernie's flush. The treasure hunt paid off and she tells Brian about the watch which wasn't found with the metal detector so it's hers fair and square and she sold it for 50 quid. Then a little later Gary's in the cabin with a bottle of plonk and an apology. He thinks that he's still suffering from PTSD which is no excuse. Brian kind of accepts the apology and then he and Cathy excitedly chat about the watch that Bernie found in the woods so it wasn't all for nothing after all. In the rover, Gary... Brian just cannot keep his mouth no. shut can he? He's such a a wee washerwoman. He is. He is a wee washerwoman. That mm. is exactly what Brian is. Right. A wee washerwoman. <laughs> in the rovers. Michael Caine? <laughs> Michael Caine. In the rovers, Gary finds Bernie and congratulates congratulates her on her find. He's been talking to Brian. A gunmetal watch with an inscription, no less. He asks what the inscription was as he lost a watch in those woods recently. Oh, what a terrible excuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't worry, says Bernie. It didn't say Gary. It was to rick the chin <laughs> for something or something or whatever. Adam was apparently in the market for a watch. You sold it to Adam? No, says Bernie. I sold it to Sarah. And Gary soils his underwear. Yes, he does. Back and, at number and, eight. And we're all like, oh, fair play show. Because we all expected her to have sold it to Adam. But no, Sarah must have called her back in and bought the, bought mm-hmm. the watch. Back at number eight, Sarah is looking at the watch and inscription. She gets a call from Adam, which for some reason she dingies. Because <coughs> she doesn't want to lie to him. Because she's not going to tell him about the watch, not yet. On Wednesday, David is at the law office where Adam has spent the night. He's as rough as a badger's arse. David says Sarah has a list of exes as long as your arm, so what's the fascination with Gary? Adam calls him scum. Subhuman scum. David advises that Adam drops it or Sarah will end up dropping him. Gary pounces on Bernie on the street and spins a story about wanting to get something special for his dad's birthday. Bernie mistakenly thinks that Gary wants to pimp her out. Which is hilarious. Which is 
very funny. Yes. But no, it's the watch. She's already sold it to Sarah, which he already knows. Right. But he wants her to buy it back from her. He gives her a wad of cash and sends her on her way. Now, Bernie, who doesn't work at the factory, turns up at the factory. Again. And, do- and does her best to conjole Sarah into selling her back the watch. First, she claims that Rick the Chin has put up signs for a missing watch in the woods. Then she... puts. <laughs> What? Yeah. Then she claims a serious collector is willing to pay double, but she eventually blurts out that it's Gary. Gary's a serious collector, asks Sarah. Hmm. Tell him I'd rather stick pins in my eyes now. Get to fuck. So Bernie does indeed go to fuck. She's not even left the factory before she calls Gary and gives him the bad news, and then she steals a pair of knickers. That was pretty funny as well. So Gary's locking up his van and gets a shock to see Sarah standing there. You shouldn't sneak up on people, he says. She's heard that he's in the jewellery business now and pulls out the watch. He admits to asking around and finding out that it's worth a lot more than she paid for it. He offers to buy it from her. A good price, enough for two watches, his and hers, he says. It's called Pre-Loved, she says, isn't it? Every piece tells a story, and then she reads out the inscription. To Rick the Chin, from Laura the Chin. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Funnily enough, Adam had a Laura the Chin in his office the other day who was married to a Rick the Chin. Maybe she should track her down and see what she says about it. Hmm. Guy doesn't recommend it calling... Laura the Chin, a shark. Makes you wonder, says Sarah, what Rick the Chin's watch was doing in those woods. Is Rick the Chin buried in those woods? He calls her insane, but she could always tell when he was lying. She asks if Adam was right all along. Did he kill Rick the Chin? He storms off and opens up, and she opens up the back of the van to find a shovel, some tarp, a pickaxe, wellies, unspecified chemicals, and a consignment of I killed Rick the Chin t shirts. <laughs> it's not what it looks like, says Gary. Sarah soils herself. He, <coughs> he says everything he did was to protect her. Tina O'Brien and Mickey North were both amazing in that scene, I thought. Mm-hmm. She especially. Yeah, she was very good. Oofed. Uh, then she calls him a knockoff Brian Adams, which was hilarious. Because <laughs> everything that he did, he did it for he her. He did it for her. <laughs> I'm kind of liking these extended scenes. I think I mentioned it last week. You know, there was a, like four-minute scenes and five-minute mm-hmm. scenes. I, th- I think it probably makes a bit of sense when you think about it that they're getting as much out of as few people as they possibly can. Absolutely. And, yeah. It must be quicker in the long run, you would mm-hmm. think. So, Gary says Rick the Chin used a five-iron on him and then checks to see that Sarah knows what a five-iron is. <laughs> we never find out if she does. She calls him a monster. Gary says that he got beaten so hard that even Sharon Vin Diesel in a dress, he says... Couldn't stomach it. He was a goner. Which is a bit unfair. Right. He was a goner, except the police raided when they did. Rick the Chin was coming after them all. She doubts it. Everything he did for himself, she says. It was Rick the Chin or you, says Gary. He's still in love with her, and he always will be. She says that his whole life is a lie. He says he needs that watch or everything is fucked. She looks like she's about to give it to him, but then she pulls out her phone and calls the police and runs away. He gives chase, but stops. In, but she stops in the middle of the street, is about to be hit by a car, but he pushes her to safety, and he's the one to be hit. It's the world's first socially distant stunt, and it worked surprisingly well. Yes. Quick cuts. Mm-hmm. You didn't, it didn't linger on the mannequin for any more no. than like half a second. Yeah. If that. Yeah. I mean, he could have been pushing on anything. Right. So the quick cut yeah. method really, really worked. It did. Could, uh, yes. I, I think back to the time that Craig was run over by a reversing car. Uh-huh. And he pushed Bethany to safety. Yes. I guess that must have been a 
a stunt Double. person yeah. or whatever, rather than a mannequin and that. Because mm-hmm. she went fucking flying. Mm-hmm. But you were right, because when they showed you the how they kind of did this mm-hmm. from a, another angle, mm-hmm. and Mikey North's pushing the mannequin the mannequin and the head did indeed come off because he yeah. pushed it too hard the head went flying it's hilarious because i saw that before i saw the, saw it in the episode and i thought really know, yeah i was like if that head comes off and we get to see that head come off i think that's going <laughs> to slightly break the which we watched which again this week <laughs> we watched this week not as funny as i remember it it was hilarious it was so funny i love that movie so funny. Not as funny as I remembered it. You were you thought I was gonna be terrified and I was like, really? Well the first one is kinda of, obviously isn't played for laughs quite as much as the, yeah. the second one is. The second one is absolutely played for laughs and yeah. Sam Raimi is brilliant and, and Bruce Bruce Campbell can get it. Oh. Really? Yeah. Even now. I really like that square chin. Yeah, I guess. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't, but well, whoever floats your boat. Hmm. So on, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do. What's her name from that band that you like? Susanna Hoffs. Yeah. Why not? She, she's just not my type. Oh. And again, she'd still get it. Right. And she's in her sixties now, I think. <coughs> so is Bruce Campbell. Yeah, he must be. Mm-hmm. Did you ever watch Burn Notice? He was in Burn Notice. He was no, really good. Not so much, Helen. Mm. No. You didn't get the USA Network over in Scotland, did you? Not so much these <laughs> days, Helen. No. He <laughs> wore a lot of Hawaiian shirts in that show. When I think of Bruce Campbell, I think of him wearing a, a Hawaiian shirt with a chainsaw taped to his arm. <laughs> Still haven't seen the. Ash and the Evil Dead. Uh, Army of Darkness. I've never seen that one. Or Many Evil Dead, as I think it was called in the UK. Or just Evil Dead 3. Evil Dead 3. Arm of Darkness. Anyway, anyway, on Friday. Tyrone is the first on the scene and goes off to get an ambulance and Dr. Gadas. The driver comes out of the car but very quickly retreats back and then drives off. It's like, holy shit. I was like, oh my run. god. I didn't expect a hit and run. Yeah, because it was, it was funny because, you know, he says, oh, I'm going to move my car and I'm shouting... Don't move your car. It's a crime scene. Mm-hmm. And then he not just he doesn't just move his car. He backs off he, and he, drives away at he, breakneck speed. He moves it quite considerably. Yes. So Gary rolls over. He's not dead. He admits that everything he did, he did for Sarah, and that he still loves her. And if he dies, she should remember that. <laughs> Creepy thing you say. At the hospital, Adam and Maria arrive together. Maria wants to know what went on and Sarah says that she was on her phone and walked blindly into the street in front of a car and Gary pushed her out of the way. Adam is having none of it but keeps quiet. Maria, of course, falls for it 100%. Absolutely. Later, and then she asks if if he flew into the air <laughs> like a rag doll. Yeah. Her question, I don't know if she's just in shock or she's like, <laughs> did he, she's like, I was just listening to a thing, and that's how they described somebody getting hit by a car. Right. Okay. Did did he shut himself as well? Just a strange amount of detail that she was after. And then she was talking about a song she heard <laughs> in the salon earlier, which the salon should be shut. 
So what was... Oh, we're, 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 okay. we're, we're about to get right. to that. Okay. Later, Tyrone arrives on the scene, and before he nips off for a pee, he describes what he saw to the room, about how Sarah was running away from Gary, and Maria and Adam are bamboozled. Why would you lie, Sarah? Sarah insists that she doesn't know that Gary was... Uh, that she didn't know that Gary was running behind her. Maybe it's just coincidence. Adam isn't buying it again and thinks Sarah is still in shock. And then for some reason, Maria goes off in an extended rift about listening to a Smith song while she took a shit. I can't believe this is happening, she says. Yeah, you're not the only one, says Adam. She was doing a number two, but then she uh, pointed out that it wasn't a shit. She was buzzing somebody's hair. Right, so with must, a number two. So it must have been open. Yeah, it shouldn't be open. Again, whatever. The rules are the rules as far as the show's <sighs> concerned. Later, Maria confirms that Gary's going to be okay. Sarah leaves before the police get there. Give them a number, she says. Adam thinks she's in shock again and follows her out just as the cops arrive. Back at home, Adam and David aren't impressed that Gary is being portrayed as a hero all of a sudden. Adam gently quizzes Sarah and asks if they're okay now and she says that they are. Maria is at Gary's bedside as he comes round. And she's wearing a bumblebee mask. Right. She she says that she knows everything, which I thought... Uh, We were were like, uh uh-oh. Right. Uh-oh, he's going to put his foot in it. Yeah, but she calls him a hero. She says that Sarah's in shock. Everyone thinks that Sarah's in shock. Mm-hmm. He asks if she's spoken to the police, and she says that she's not, but she's going to have to. Maria calls him the nicest bloke in the world. And that's how we end this week's episodes. Aha. Adam is quite funny when he says to Maria, just because you like Morrissey doesn't mean that you're deserving of death <laughs> Something, something like that, right? That was quite funny. So, guys, Morrissey world is quickly falling to pieces here. Yeah, do you think Sarah's gonna go to the cops? Uh, I think she should. Absolutely, she should. Do you think that she doesn't still love Gary, though? Does she? I hope not. She's just got married to Adam. Who's way hotter than Gary. Right. And he's got that sexy Scottish accent, which I love so much. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have I have doubts that she's going to <clears throat> come clean and tell the truth. Gary saying bit, he still loves her is just the shittiest thing in the world. Right. Until that if don't you forget it kind of thing. Right. Almost like it's a threat. Using his love as a threat. Ugh. It's weird. Gross. Yeah, I, I, I think it's too easy for her to come clean and tell the truth. It's a kind of easy way for Gary to get his comeuppance, so I, I can't see it happening. Yeah, but that means Rick the Chin has to stay in the forest even longer. Mm-hmm. Which is frustrating. Because as much as I don't like Laura the Chin, Kelly the Chin deserves some closure. Mm-hmm. As far as her dad's concerned. I kind of like her. I like Kelly. I don't like yeah, Laura. I don't like Laura. I don't think no. we're supposed to, but... No. Yeah. I think they've done it quite well, how this kind of gradual deconstruction of his story and his life mm-hmm. has kind of worked out Yeah. over the... Basically, the catalyst for this has been Laura refusing to spend her money on Kelly's education. Right. Which she's supposed to be doing. Which brings Kelly to the street. Mm-hmm. Which Gary can't have. Needs to get her off. But not like that. But not like that. And then, I guess the only random thing is Brian's metal detector. 
May, yeah. may it rest in peace. Pieces. Oh. But, you know, overall... And Bernie just happening to, to find that watch. Mm-hmm. I didn't really mind Bernie just finding the watch. I think maybe the metal detector thing could have been done differently, but... Mm. But overall, just a gradual fall into bits. Everything's tightening up. Yep. Everything's kind of closing in on them. Yep. You kind of did feel the sort of claustrophobia of the situation yep. quite well. So, yep. yeah. Yep, yep. Again, Monday, Wednesday, just loved it. Good stuff. Didn't put a foot wrong. Nope. Uh, you've got nothing more to say? <laughs> yep. Nope. Yep. Uh, what the fuck am I paying you for then? <laughs> You're paying me? Well, in kind. <laughs> What was your moment of the week then? <laughs> oh, gosh. There were so many good moments. What was your moment of the week? I, I kind of felt that Mary singing out the window was going to be my moment of the week. Really? But you're right. There was just too many other good bits going on. I think it's probably the scene with... Uh, Sarah and Gary when she asks him outright if he killed Rick the chin. You don't think it's Elaine telling Tim that she's Tim's mum? No. No, I think I think the quality of the acting in the Gary and Sarah scene was was the the best part of the week. Alright, fine. So that's it? Moment of the week. Moment of the week. You're boring off the moment of the week. Oh, gosh. There wasn't an awful lot of boring. There wasn't an awful lot. Brian explaining the metric system. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of funny, but, you know, that was fairly dull. And even Carthy, I think. I think that was Carthy's boring moment of the week. <laughs> <laughs> certainly wasn't as fun as uh, Sexy Treasure Hunt. No, that was hilarious. <laughs> and when she said role play and, and Sally's eyes just lit up. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Ooh. Ooh, la la. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Brian's metric system explanation is a... Boring moment of the week. Boring moment of the week. Shall we wrap this one up? Yes, please. If you've ever been replaced by a robot with a smooth as honey voice, drop us a line and tell us all about it. You can get us by email at thetalkofthestreet and gmail.com, which is the same address you'd use to leave us a voicemail on Skype, or to drop a badger or two into our virtual tip jar on PayPal. We've at Corey Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and please consider leaving us a rating and a review on the iTunes. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode, Puny Human. We will be back next week with more Talk of the Street. My name is Timbot5000. Cheerio. Cheerio. Bye.